Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. A1 Concrete Leveling is ready to handle all your concrete needs. Leveling, caulking, cleaning, and sealing. A1 Concrete Leveling has you covered. Call 419-864-3698 for your free estimate today. With over 30 years of experience, they are Ohio's most trusted concrete experts. Call them today at 419-864-3698 or go to a1leveling.com. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to The Art of Kindness, where we have compassionate conversations with artists from all areas of the entertainment industry who are using their voice to spread joy and make this big spinning planet in the sky a better place to be. I'm Robert Peter Paul, and I'm so glad you're here. Oh, someone just flushed the toilet, my neighbor. That was a good take. Eh, you know what? I'm keeping it. I'm only slightly disturbed that I can hear someone flush their toilet through my wall. (laughs) Maybe you guys couldn't even hear it. In that case, I probably sound really weird. Well, I sound weird either way. Anyway, today's guest is Zachary James of the original Broadway cast of The Addams Family. So obviously I had to snap, snap, snap my way into this episode. Come on. Zachary was so open and we had a really heartfelt conversation, which you'll hear in just a moment. After our conversation, please stay tuned for your kindness tip of the week, as usual, and a very sweet announcement. That's right, our No Tricks Only Treats giveaway winner number one of a $30 Schmackery's gift card. Mwah! will be announced. Spoiler alert, it's me! Sorry about that. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's not me. That would be unethical. I wish it was me because the cookies are so delicious. But you know, we got to keep that anticipation building. So stay tuned for the winner after our chat. Today's guest is performer, internationally acclaimed opera singer, and recording artist, Zachary James. I wanted to speak to Zach this spooky season since he's perhaps most known for creating the role of Lurch in The Addams Family on Broadway over a decade ago. Of course, he's turned in memorable performances in numerous Broadway shows, including the Tony-winning revival of South Pacific at Lincoln Center. Some of Zach's bountiful career highlights include playing Abraham Lincoln in the world premiere Philip Glass opera, The Perfect American, playing Amenhotep III in the Olivier Award-winning production of Akhenaten, and for appearances on television shows like 30 Rock and Murphy Brown. Zach has sung with some of the world's top opera companies and orchestras, including English National Opera, LA Opera, the New York Philharmonic, NHK Symphony Orchestra Tokyo, and the Metropolitan Opera. He has earned countless acclaim for his work in the opera, including being named the most innovative opera singer of 2019 by the Classical Post, Breakout Opera Artist of 2019 by Verismo Magazine, and was identified as an industry leader and invited to be an official ambassador for Opera America. Speaking of titles, he also recently won Broadway World's Vocalist of the Decade and Performer of the Decade Awards for the years 2010 to 2020. For his incredible full bio, head to ZachJames.com or follow him on social media at the official Zachary James. 
I don't usually do this, but I want to give you guys a little trigger warning. Zachary and I talk openly about mental health and a horrific tragedy his family recently went through. I hope listening to him will inspire you just as it inspired me. Without further ado, please welcome Zachary James. So something I like to ask all successful artists like yourself, who tend to have a lot of praise showered upon them, you know, especially at the stage door, is how are you at taking compliments? Uh, I think I've learned to be okay with it and learned, I think a while back that if someone gives you a compliment, the the polite thing to do is accept it and believe it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, you know, it's important because the alternative is rude, even though it feels like you're being like humble and, you know, but the opposite happens, I think. So yeah. It's just like a practice, right? Definitely. Like, oh, thank you. And to really take it in. Yeah, it's so it weird, granted. right? Yeah. Cause yeah. We, we want it, you know, we're on stage, not that right. you're thinking about it when you're on stage, but you want to come off stage and for people to say, you have such a beautiful voice like you do, or your performance really moved me. And then you get those compliments and you're like, Oh, I got to go. Thank you so much. <laughs> so it's such a weird thing. Yeah. Just say, thank you. It means a lot. Thank you. There you go. Well, no one yeah. knows how to take compliments. I'm finding out on this podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> We are here today to talk all about kindness and mm. what it means to you, how you experience kindness, specifically in the arts and the entertainment industry. So just to start out, I would love to know, how do you define kindness? Ooh, kindness is thinking about others before yourself and having an open heart and mind. Hmm. I love that. I've heard from so many people that you are such a kind person and so wonderful to work with, which oh, is that's why, so nice. <laughs> yes, which is why I wanted to have you on here. You know, it's hard oh. to kind of vet guests and figure out if they're kind sure. people, but I have heard that you always lead with kindness. So that means a lot. I mean, it's, I think it's so important to be a good colleague and a good person, and, but it's also something you can't fake. Like you have to walk the walk. Totally. Do you, yeah. do you feel like when you're in a show, especially when you have a principal role and you're working with people that maybe it's their first professional production or whatever the case is, do you try to go out of your way to, it just seems like you're inherently kind, but are there things you do to try and make that person feel comfortable or just create that you know, environment? Best way I can talk about that is just having done long runs on Broadway and my first time experiencing a cover going on for a role and actually feeling frustrated right that they weren't necessarily where they were supposed to be or you know that it was a different take and then after having that experience a couple of times stepping back and realizing like oh no your job is to make them look good it's mm. not their job to fit into your world they're the one in the hot seat your job is to make them look good it's about mm. them you know yeah you've, you've done the show a million times like this is their first time on that role and totally yeah. And that's what it really is about. And I think that's the very best that we can be as collaborators is making our colleagues look good. And if everyone on stage is doing that or, you know, backstage in the pit, wherever, if everyone is thinking about someone else and, and making them shine, then everyone's covered and we don't have to think about ourselves. And that's kind of a really nice place to create from. Mm, that's so true. 
I've had the opposite experience sometimes. I, I was a swing in the past and I know if you have to go on, it's such a scary thing. Yeah. But if you're not supported, like you're talking about it, just makes it even worse. And the theater right. is supposed to be a community and a place where we all help each other rise up because we are in a privileged position to be doing what we love. Yeah, and so, it's supposed to be fun. Yeah, it is supposed to be fun at the end of the day, right? Yeah. We get all this other stuff in our heads, especially when you're auditioning right. and, and all these things. I'm going to get into all that with you, <laughs> but I would love to just take a moment to step back and dive back to the beginning. Do mm -hmm. you feel like there were any acts of kindness or, of course, people in your childhood that really stand out to you from when you were growing up that you could oh share? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, so I grew up in a very, um, to be blunt, like impoverished household and um i didn't have a lot of the resources that my friends had so like if i got into a, a theater camp or something like we had to dig up money from somewhere and like i remember my high school theater teacher um i told him i got into this camp and i didn't even know there was tuition you know i just applied and and we couldn't afford it. And he was like, all right, so after school, you're going to come organize my music library every day and I'm going to create a scholarship for you. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was just like, he came up with like 500 bucks and, and I got to go to that theater camp that summer. And that was a really big deal. And there was a lot of acts of kindness like that on my path that, that continue to this day. Like I've been with my voice teacher for 18 years and we're in this like beautiful symbiotic relationship. She doesn't charge me. <laughs> wow. And, yeah. We've just, but she's like, no, I have mostly taught undergrads my whole career. And to be a part of your journey into, uh, you know, having a more mature voice and a bigger voice that does like larger opera things now, like this is part of my study of teaching voice, like to track a voice from the beginnings to, maturity and then to stay with it so you're teaching me and i'm like okay <laughs> wow <laughs> it's like this amazing thing but that you know and i asked her a long time ago it's like why why are you teaching me for free and she's like this is my contribution to the arts mm. and you know and and it's something i don't take for granted because as we all know as artists sometimes it's boom times and we're making like a ton of money on broadway and like wow we made it and then the next year you're you're on unemployment or food stamps or you know and it's like it's really hard it never gets easy and you see that with big stars too if you really pay attention you're like oh wow you you had a huge hit sitcom in all of the 90s so we just think of that person as successful right but if you really look at it it's like oh wow you might not have had a paycheck in 30 years mm. how are you getting by you know yeah and if you look around it's like most likely everyone's depending on acts of kindness and mm. it's important to return those when we can but i've definitely received my fair share of, of generosity and kindness wow those are beautiful examples i'm gonna need that voice teacher's number because my vocal coach uh -huh. is expensive no i love yeah. my vocal coach my even mine you know it, it, a lot of people have cancellation fees even just someone that's like it's okay i understand you booked a role you can't come you know i'm not gonna charge you little yeah. things like that really make a yeah. difference well, when I first got to New York, I tried, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, you need to study with this teacher. You need to study with this teacher. And at the time I was pursuing opera and mm. they'd be like, you need to study with this teacher. And they talked to this person who casts at the Met. So this is why you need to spend that $200 for this hour with them. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, I did that so many times, like my money was gone in a week, you know, and, <laughs> and nobody yeah. helped me. Nobody, mm -hmm. everybody was just like, you know, had a credit card swipe machine on top of their piano. So 
I, I just ended up, you know, crawling back to my teacher and just being like, this isn't working. This isn't fun. And she said, yeah, stick with me. I <laughs> love that. Yeah. Yeah. We need more people like that, especially we're in this culture now where it's like you pay to play, you pay to meet this casting director, you pay to have <sighs> a masterclass with this teacher, $300 for three hours. And most of the yeah. time, maybe you're inspired, but it doesn't really go anywhere a lot of the time. No, they're not calling you in for that show they cast on NBC. They're just like, mm -hmm. cool, thanks for the money. What's your name again? Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe yeah. maybe take this class three times and then I'll remember you and, you know, yeah. I'll have more money. Because <laughs> we do need to go back to that time where we're exchanging talents or skills and just helping each other with, with what we got. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Well, your family, I believe your dad specifically is a musician, right? In jazz. Jazz and blues. Yeah. Rock, wow. all of it. Yeah. And so you started out kind of following in his footsteps, right? Yeah. Well, you know, he was he was making a buck teaching lessons when he wasn't playing out. And so I was in a playpen next to him while he was um, teaching lessons. So I grew up just hearing scales and arpeggios. Um, and he put me on piano when I was four. But music was always in the house. He taught lessons till nine o'clock every night in our house so mm. you know if you could hear it through the wall it was just like music 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 and i'm, I'm really grateful for that oversaturation in a way because it was yeah. it just became a neutral state music mm -hmm. that's Always. so cool that's yeah. a one-man show baby blues your relationship yeah, with your yeah, dad yeah. and you as a baby <laughs> in, in the pen i think yeah. that's so cool and yeah. and then you went on to study in school before you eventually found your love for the performance aspect of the arts i believe yeah well i had a winding path i mean i i went to i grew up in florida i went to florida state for music ed percussion i thought i wanted to be a, like a high school band director Cool. And yeah, and it, quickly I was like, this is terrible and not for me, because you know? <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't a teacher brain, you know, teachers are so special and it's like, yeah, it's, um, it's a deep commitment. It's like a pledge that mm. you take as a teacher. And I wasn't in that mindset. I wanted to perform. So I jumped over to theater and, and then I left Florida state. I went to Ithaca and got my musical theater degree, but yeah, that was kind of my winding path and then i discovered opera and i went to grad school for a year and then i quit you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> very <laughs> all over the place but. well listen i'm all over the place and also i like keep hitting my mic my mic's in a new spot everybody so if you hear a poof, i'm gonna try to edit it out i probably don't even <laughs> say that right now shut up robert but just so you know that's what's happening but i i love that you you said this because in researching you and looking into your career more I think it's so cool that you've wholeheartedly just leaped into all these different aspects of your life. And what mm. struck me is it, it just didn't even seem to be a question when you had these thoughts, you would just dive in. And so I would love to know, have you always had a really strong belief in yourself and trusted your instincts or have you had to work on oh that? Gosh, it's a question I've not been asked. And I immediately flashed to being a kid because I was a piano kid and I did recitals and Mm. concerts and competitions like pretty full time after I got in the groove and I quickly got in the groove. I was like two years in doing competitions and stuff. And I remember sitting like on the piano bench at home practicing and like feeling great fear. But then I guess when I would get on stage, I would just like turn it out. And I started like incorporating like gimmicks and like i'd wipe off the keys with a hanky but like not <laughs> tell anyone ahead of time i would just like come up with these like show busy gimmicks so i guess i would say like i had the 
and still have like the classic anxiety in the preparation process. But then when I get on stage, I'm on. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel that I feel that really deeply, which is why auditions <laughs> suck for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, just give me the part and I promise it'll be amazing, you know? But the audition yeah. process. No, I like auditioning. I don't I, I kind of think of it as a performance and yes. And that that helps, I think. Cause yeah, that's I don't helpful. know who said it. You know, you, you hear so much along the way, but somebody early on was like, an audition is your show. You can do whatever you want. It's like mm-hmm. your two minutes or however long you get. No you regrets. booked it. That's the only chance you're going to have to play that part. I think that's definitely yeah. helped me. As yeah. I've been, I was actually so good. And then I think the pandemic, all this self-taping at home has, has let Uh-oh. anxiety creep in a little bit. Yeah. I do feel though, it, self-taping is hard and it's hard to watch yourself. But I think I kind of got over a hump and I was like, okay, I'm becoming a better actor because I'm being forced to watch myself after I do it and mm-hmm. like acknowledge things that I do that, you know, and so I kind of think I got better during the pandemic that's good i hope we're all getting there yeah because then you're like i oh i i didn't like that i did that there i can go back and do something different that like you do get a chance to fix it by watching yourself for sure and you can't hide like you see when you're not completely invested or honest Mm -hmm. which can be a spiral too you're like take 100 sure Sure, (laughs) take 100 yeah but you know I'm I'm gonna if we're if we're back in person like full time I think I will miss the self tapes in that I like being in control of what I send in mm. and I like seeing it first and I feel like once we're in the casting office it's like we have no idea what we look like <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll stay for some I feel like we were moving towards self tapes anyway so I think yeah, to some I degree so. at least for little co star roles and stuff like that maybe not. I mean, they're saving millions of dollars, right? On yeah. like, space and like get, they get to see more submissions now too, because they're not editing. We are. So. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Really it hard. is tough, but I love that perspective. So I heard watching Nathan Lane was a big mm-hmm. inspiration for you to pursue your dreams back when you were deciding yeah, to get so into the performance. It, it was actually exactly what I was just talking about when I was a percussion music ed major. I yeah. went home after that first semester and it was the Kennedy Center Honors. And Nathan was on um, honoring Angela Lansbury. And I had been obsessed with Sweeney for years. And he did mm. this tribute to Angela and sang some Sweeney and stuff. And I was just weeping. And I was just like, I, I need to be an actor, you know? And my dad was sitting there and like, it sounds silly, but no because it's like both arts but for me to tell my dad who's a musician and and like made me a musician from birth that i actually wanted to be an actor and not a musician was like a really big deal (laughs) (laughs) the same way that like you know parents have like dreams of their kid being a doctor and they're like i'm gonna be in showbiz you know (laughs) for me you know that was a big deal but my dad was cool about it and he was like all right if you're gonna do it do it well and then, then you have. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm still a musician. And I think that took him uh-huh. to acknowledge too, was like singers are musicians. And I think we've moved towards this thing of like being an artist. We're not just like actors and singers. We're just artists. Yeah. And I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah. Different instrument. You live and breathe your instrument. And yet yeah. it takes a lot longer to get to know it, which is interesting. Yeah, but you can't you can't put it down the way a trumpeter is like, oh, I'm having a really bad day. I'm gonna put my trumpet in the case on the shelf and walk away. Like we live in our instruments and it's really hard and it's really mm. vulnerable and really emotional. And and yeah. it's like a psychological thriller. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, it is important to put your instrument on the couch and watch a psychological thriller on Netflix or something yeah, just and just zone chill. out. That's the yeah. only way to put yourself away sometimes. 
Although it is hard to watch TV shows and stuff as an, as an artist, because it kind of makes you feel like, oh, I should be doing a story like this. And yeah, that too, or it makes you inspired. There's, there's varying degrees. Well, there's always that thing of like, I can feel bad about like binging 12 hours of TV in a day, but then it's like, no, it's, it's studying. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You're like, this is for my craft. I can write off my HBO max subscription uh, during tax season. But with Nathan Lane, I wanted to bring that up because I think it's so rare that we get a chance to meet the people that inspire us and to meet our heroes. And of course you ended up getting to work with him on Broadway in the Adams family, yep, yep. which is such an amazing story. Did you get a chance uh, to tell him how much he meant to you? Did oh, that yeah. build over time? Like, were you nervous? No, we, you know, he's, he's so kind and was so good to me. And early on in rehearsals, he asked me to lunch. And I don't, I was like, yeah, of course, you know, so we went, <laughs> Alert we went lunch. to lunch and he was just like, where are you from? And I was like, Florida. And he was like, ah. Oh. You know, and he told me this story about how he spent some of his childhood in Florida with his uncle, who was a mail delivery person, and he would ride around in his uncle's post office truck with him and deliver the mail. And it's awesome. He kind of said it was like a terrible experience. And <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, well, growing up in Florida can be really terrible, like, <laughs> depending on where you are." You know. So yeah, that was kind of it. Was so kind of him to kind of single me out that way and want to get to know me, and then he became. Uh, very much a mentor to me in that process and um, would give me ideas for jokes and stuff. And, and I'd try one of his bits that he would give me and, and he would just like be proud. He wouldn't be like, well, that was my idea. Mm. Like it was really, really generous and kind. And to have those couple of years with him was really magnificent. And I still am deeply inspired by him and I love seeing him on stuff on TV and I text him and I'm like, Hey, you're brilliant, you know. <laughs> like, wow. I don't know, I'm pretty direct. I don't mind being like, I'm a huge <laughs> fan. You're brilliant. <laughs> I love you. you I know? think that's awesome because yeah. it, I've I've seen too and learned. It's sometimes it's just better to get out of the way and just be genuine about it and and you try have to, to not fake it. Yeah, and for me, actually, working with Carolee Carmelo was like, yes. I, like being in a room with her. I like turned red. I just am such a fan, and I just had to be like, "You're my favorite voice that that has ever been on Broadway. <laughs> I'm the biggest fan ever." I had to get that out of the way. Now let's do our scene. You know? <laughs> yes, she's a powerhouse. And, and uh, BB, you had BB. BB. That cast and was Kevin, amazing. Jackie Hoffman. I mean, yeah, Terrence Mann. Are you kidding me? Yes. And then Krista, who's now, you know, that was one of the first big things, but yeah. Wes Taylor. Yeah. It was really magnificent. And I was very young and that's sometimes I think like, oh man, I wish I could go back and do that again and be like wiser and older. But there were so many lessons learned in that time and, Hmm. um, and what it is to do a long, long run, you know, like it's a big, it's a big challenging thing. It's a lot hundreds of stamina. and hundreds of performances of one thing and like keep it fresh and not get bored and like stay grateful, stay humble and remember that in every audience there's somebody their first time in a theater ever probably, yeah. you know, and what a beautiful experience that is and, and that you have a responsibility to give them something beautiful that they remember. Yeah. I had a director tell me once in every big audience, there's, someone's first show that they're seeing and then there's probably someone seeing a show for the last time exactly which are both special yeah occasions yep 
you have to give it your all. And then you it do. is such a gift you at do. the stage door when you get these little yeah. acts of kindness. And especially because I do so much opera now, there's always somebody in an opera audience that it's their last experience in a theater. Like demographically, mm. it's a it's a much more mature audience. And mm. and similarly, someone that it's their first time because, you know, it's kind of a very unique art form and only 5% of the country has experienced an opera ever. So definitely there's someone who it's their first always. Yeah, that's really special. Friends, I want to take a moment to share with you this amazing new shop I found on Instagram. It's called the Be Kind Shop. I mean, first of all, how perfect is that name? We at The Art of Kindness share a very similar mission to the Be Kind Shop. We both believe the best way for everyone on this earth to thrive and see their full potential is through kindness. And we have all seen the positive impact and power that kindness can have. After the crazy roller coaster that was 2020, the Be Kind Shop knew that the world could use love and kindness more than ever. And they wanted to help spread that message. So just like I started this podcast, they went ahead and combined a passion in design and positive mental health and created the Be Kind Shop. The Be Kind Shop is an online store full of custom-made clothing items, accessories, and stationery, with each and every item carrying a positive message. They strive to remind everyone that there is good around them and that we are all on this earth to help one another. Their products caught my eyes on Instagram because they are incredible. I mean, they have be kind beanies. They have sweatshirts that say being kind is cool. It is totally my kind of style. Go to the BeKindShop.store to see for yourself. And while you're there, I guarantee you're going to want to buy something. But never fear! After I connected with the shop on Instagram, they so kindly offered a special promo for you, Art of Kindness listeners! Use code ARTOFKIND at checkout for 15% off your purchase. That's ARTOFKIND, all one phrase, when you're checking out at the BeKindShop.store. Stay tuned on our Instagram because we may even be doing a special giveaway with them soon. Ah, kindness is just so chic. Since it is spooky season, mm-hmm. I would just love to know, you've talked about the Adams Family so wonderfully, and when they do the musical screen adaptation, they should ask you back, Aww. which I think would be so fun to watch. I would love but it. I would love to know just overall, because you were in South Pacific on Broadway when you yeah. got offered the, was it a workshop of the Adams Family? Yeah. So I got a call. Hey, do you want to do Lurch and a table read of the Adams Family with Nathan Lane and B.B. North? I gotta call. go. I just <laughs> I was out. Like, great day. Great day. <laughs> and that was the first table read and only the three of us made it to Broadway from there. You know, we did so many readings and workshops. So it truly was mm. quite extraordinary. And I was like, Really, I've been in New York like two years. Just because I feel like landing on Broadway is a dream, right? And then oh, yeah, originating yeah. a role on come Broadway on. in a huge come blockbuster on. like that. Yeah, come on. What, what was that like? Especially since it is a known entity and it's so iconic and you know there's certain things you have to do. You know, I loved our concept for the show was like taking the original cartoons that Charles Adams drew for The New Yorker and bringing them to life. And, mm. and you know iconic roles right and there's been movies and tv shows and cartoons like animate animated cartoons on saturday morning that i like grew up watching and then of course the cartoons drawn for the new yorker so yeah there's a lot of responsibility there um and at the same time it's like okay what can i bring to this that's me because every role is supposed to be you right so i deeply invested in a backstory i think that was my major touchstone for 
how can I do this for two years? Okay, I've re- I need like an incredibly deep, long, lengthy backstory. <laughs> mm, go sell it and to Ryan Murphy and then we can have Lurch on Netflix. Listen, oh my goodness, <laughs> it would be so good. I just went there and, and people liked it and that was cool, you know. Mm. It was great. It was great. It's it. still great. I still listen it to it when special. I go on my walk runs. <laughs> well, and the really cool thing that is totally unexpected is I think five years in a row now, it's the most produced high school musical in the United States. So mm-hmm. all year long, I get these amazing messages and notes from high school casts of the Adams family being like, Hey, we're in the Adams family. Can you send us a message? You know? So I, I do these like video messages to these kids like regularly. And it's, wow. it's this beautiful gift because there's two sides of the Adams family, right? There's like, wow, huge hit on Broadway. Amazing. And there's also like the critics hated us. <laughs> it was really tough on our hearts because. Which was, is usually a telltale sign that you're going to be some kind of cult musical. Yeah, you know, it was a box office hit and everything. Yeah. But yeah, the critics were like, what a joke. I feel so bad for these actors. And that was really hard to read after putting in two years of workshops and, mm. and investing so much of ourselves in it and then to have to do the show for a year knowing that you know we were panned but um but it's this beautiful thing that these that i a that the show's so successful right globally like there's been productions everywhere (laughs) Um, there's like west end paris uh brazil like everywhere mexico and um and then that it's this huge success in community theaters and high schools and and to get these messages and to be able to participate in the show in that way and keep kind of in a way being lurch right like just last night i'm here at the ogunquit playhouse doing young frankenstein right now Mm -hmm. and um an usher ran up to me as i was walking into the building he was like hi i'm jeremy i played lurch in my high school production of the adams family and i wanted to meet you oh it's just like how beautiful like never in a million years would i have guessed that that would kind of continue in my life you know all these it's been 10 years yeah and it was ahead of its time because now reboots and making musicals based off of other entities that's just the standard yeah but i would argue that your perspective is beautiful the the fact that you're so open to people coming up to you and still talking about the adams family i just had another guest on here who was in the film halloween town and kimberly j brown played marnie and the fact i was telling her the fact that she just keeps the legacy alive it makes it so Uh much more special for i'm sure these kids doing the productions of the adams family the fact that you send these notes is so kind so I think it's beautiful because you make it beautiful and, and you let yourself open for that. You're not like, that was 10 years ago. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what I'm doing today. Well, thanks. I, I'll say I've occasionally bumped into people who have negative reactions to those things. And they're like, I'm not doing anything for free. I should be paid for this or like, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's just like, no, I'll give back. But I have to say like, because I've been give, I've people have been so generous with me my whole life. Like what I was saying, it's like, I can't get 18 years of free voice lessons and scoff at someone asking me to make a five-minute video. Like, <laughs> yeah, come on, that's you know true. What I mean? You yeah. got to spread kindness it's around. Cyclical, it, and it's there's a responsibility at the heart of it. It's a responsibility to continue to have live arts and how important that mm. is to building community. And we have an individual responsibility in that. Yeah, I agree. Well said. Well, speaking of community. In the theater, this is going to be a pretty junky transition. Part of our community are the theater ghosts. 
And since it's spooky season, yeah. I love to ask, oh, what, no. do you have any theater ghost stories? Oh, yes. <laughs> we all got them, right? Yeah. So I do this Philip Glass opera called Akhenaten, and it's been kind of a major part of my life the past five years. I opened it on the West End and then did it in LA at the Met. I've done it in London again. I'm doing it at the Met again in London Amazing. again. It's 2023. So it's like a huge part of my life. And I play, um, we're all these like ancient Egyptian people that lived like pharaohs and wild stuff. And so <laughs> anyway, so our very first performance in London, it was, you know, um, invited dress and and the theater is very spooky there. It's the London Coliseum. It's where Winston mm. Churchill like, gave an address at the end of World War II. Everybody's been there. You look up and there's these statues looking down at you. It's like very, very spooky and cool. And my favorite <laughs> theater to perform in. So at the top of the show, I'm locked in a tomb on a throne. No one can get in. I can't get out without stagehands opening the door for me. And I'm just okay, creeping out because I'm on stage for three hours. I have like something like 6,000 words of, of text to deliver and I'm freaking out. And I'm, I'm a prayer before a show. If I remember, I invite like the spirits of that space to come with me on the ride. Like, Hey, mm -hmm. you want to act with me? Like, come with me, help cool. me, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, we all have these rituals before a show. Yeah. And it just makes me feel like I'm not alone. And, and it makes me feel like I'm doing something kind to invite the theater ghosts to like take over for me. <laughs> like you want to act tonight? You can have like, my, my voice is tired. Please come yeah, on. Like, enter my spirit. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm like freaking out and I start to say my little prayers, like help me to remember these words. And, I am pushed on my right shoulder from behind and what? no one was there. I was locked in a tomb. Yeah. And I was, I just like paused and like froze and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I hope my mic's off because I'm about to scream. <laughs> yeah. But I was like directly asking like, Hey, come with me on this journey. Theater spirits. And I was pushed and I was like, got wow. it. Got it. Meet you at the end. You know? Did anything was, else happen throughout that show or was it, it was just, no, but I was just, it, being I was pushed like, into all right, there's nothing to fear. Let's just do this wild ride. That's um, wild. I would have run around cause I've had little things like that happen. I had something in the, a bathroom backstage happen recently and I kept uh -huh. calling the ghost toilet Tom, which I hope he was cool <laughs> with, or she. And yeah, I was running around the theater just asking people that had been there for a while, are there any ghosts in this theater? I mean, I know there are, but who are they? What's their story? Did yeah. you ask those kind of questions? Uh, no, just because it's like a very old, enormous theater. It's just inevitable. <laughs> You're like, I'm not a weirdo like you. I didn't run around uh, being like, I saw a ghost. Uh, <laughs> well, it was like, is this the theater ghost? This is like ancient Egypt ghosts that we're mm. invoking into our, you know, who knows? Wow. But, um, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty spooky. And I've had others, you know, cause, cause we play all these theaters and there's so much history in all of them. That's spooky. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. I love of course, that. Of course. So in the opera, one thing I saw you say, too, is that you're really passionate now about putting forward female-driven projects. Yeah, and, and yeah. For getting sure. those it's voices really out there. Yeah. How, how did you just jump into that? Because I would love for our listeners to contribute yeah. in, in, in their own way to help. Yeah. So here's the deal. Like, we, we look to the Metropolitan Opera as the standard bearer for opera in the world, because um, that's that's kind of who they are. And um, and. And I have to say, I love working there. It's an enormous honor to be on that stage, but they have a lot of catching up to do. And 
as I think from 1903 to 2016, they produced two operas written by women. So that's 113 years. Yeah, that's not okay. Two operas, and they're currently producing their first opera written by a black composer ever. So it's yeah. just like, come on. Yeah. Like you, you, you can't be the standard bearer for this industry with a track record like that. You need to do better. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I got, I've always kind of been, um, working with contemporary composers, living composers and creating new works. And that's something I love so much. Um, so I had the opportunity to do a solo, uh, recital at Carnegie hall in 2020. It was obviously canceled, (laughs) Um, but (laughs) really, (laughs) yeah. So, um, but when I got this opportunity, everyone was like, Oh, do Brahms, do Schubert. And I was like, who cares? Everyone does that. Who cares? Let's do something new. You know? So I mm. decided to do a program of all works by female composers in the classical music industry and primarily new works and, um, reached out to some of my favorite composers and, and they wrote these wonderful pieces for me. And then it was canceled. Uh-huh. So I felt this responsibility since the pieces had been written to, to, do it in some form anyway. So I instead created an album and a visual album of basically music videos of all the pieces as well and put that out during the pandemic. And it was a really special project to me and um, has been at a bunch of film festivals and stuff and has kind of continued on in a really cool way. Um, and also was kind of part of my major, I wouldn't say pivot, but like parallel course um, that I discovered where like I never thought of myself as a really tech savvy person, but now I know how to like record and edit and distribute mm-hmm. and do all these things. I'm like my own record label now, which is, <laughs> which is cool. Um, I mean, you know, producing a podcast, it's, it's, yeah. Do I know? Are we recording? No, yes. we are. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, yes, we do know. But you learn a lot of new skills and it's exciting and empowering. Yeah. And that's been a major part of my uh, experience in the last year and a half. And now I'm actually mm. working on my fifth album because I'm now a monster. I just like crank out albums. That's amazing. Because I, I learned how and I can't stop. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. and you know what? We dive into these things because we have belief in ourselves, yeah. which is, I think, part of kindness to yourself. So yeah. that's really cool. And it is yeah. just, it's just starting. You know, yes. I didn't know yes. how to make a podcast. You, you just no. said you didn't know how to do all this stuff. It's like, yeah, you just dive in. You just get in there and figure it out. And when you get stuck, you Google it or find a YouTube yeah. tutorial and you keep going and it's exciting. And then once you know that information, it's like, well, now I have it. Like, what do I do with it? Uh-huh. <laughs> I did it once. Like, what? what's next? So Exactly. Yeah. It's just yeah. this crazy journey of life and growing and, yeah. and trusting yourself. Another cause that you bring awareness to, which I really appreciate, especially since I think the other day was World Mental Health Day, yes, is, yeah. is mental health. Now, yeah. we all have obviously varying degrees of mental health issues, especially after, I don't even know, has it been two years after 2020 and, and the shutdown? Yeah. Are, would you like, are you open to sharing what happened so to your family open. during that time? Yeah, yeah. So um, we were in the middle of the first year of the pandemic. Now, now we're entering the third winter of the pandemic. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, my nephew who has had a lifelong struggle with mental health um, uh, attacked his brother and father in the middle of the night. And, and um, you know, my, unfortunately my, my youngest nephew died and uh, my brother almost died. And my nephew's now in jail for, a year and a half now awaiting trial and so yeah like 
unexpected is an understatement to be in the middle of the pandemic and get a call like that and kind of have to forget forget the struggles of like oh no i lost my job so no i'm sitting at home you know i have nothing to do and just mm-hmm. jumping into action getting on a plane and going and picking up the pieces of a really unimaginable family tragedy um and we're still dealing with it to this day you know and it's like something we will always deal with because there's no happy ending in that situation you know there's just loss and grief and um continued tragedy with a young a young life who's now living behind bars his whole life you know mm. and and continuing to deal with uh really difficult mental health challenges that are made worse by being in an institution like that because there aren't resources and there's not really any um like no one really cares you know Mm -hmm. like once you're in that situation you're just a number and the resources are so few Mm -hmm. it's it's been tough and continues to be really tough and yeah well thank you for oh i hit my mic again just thank you for sharing that story because a i think that's what we all need to do is share these stories and talk about it that's part of it yeah b i i really picked up on you use the word continuing a lot and i think just continuing and pushing through and obviously we all have our own family tragedies not that's horrific what you went through and i'm so sorry that you guys had to deal with that, but it is the the continuing and the going forward. That's really all you can do. Yeah, and and healing comes obviously with time, but yeah, the I'm sure you've seen firsthand the way our systems are set up. It's just really for people to fail because we all, yeah. in, you know, like I said, have people in our lives that have these diseases and mental health issues, and you flag it, and you know they don't want to help themselves a lot of the time. And you know that the only way you can bring them somewhere is if something happens and it's like, right. Oh, I got to wait for this huge thing to happen. Right. Why, why and, is there nothing before that? Yeah. And, and kind of that there's this expectation. I think that we think these, these people who are struggling so much inside can fix themselves. Yeah. That they can even have the awareness that they have a problem. It's like you're asking someone who's dealing with something really difficult silently you know (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's just not it's really difficult (laughs) it's not possible yeah and listen i i was really struggling and my doctor recommended i get on an antidepressant during during that time and i was so resistant and she was just like hey so your career just ended because of a pandemic your nephew is murdered like if now is not a good time when when would you accept help Mm. i was just like yeah okay let's do this (laughs) it is important put doctor yeah laying out those facts yeah and she just said like you know like two out of three of my patients are in need of help like this it's not something to be ashamed of Mm. because we don't talk about it no it's like you know i've done years of therapy and it was magnificent and i think everyone should have therapy it's like everyone needs somebody to talk to (laughs) yeah safe space and yes um, everyone needs to ask for help sometimes and it's really hard Mm-hmm. But once you do it, it's like that burden is off your shoulders. Once you take that step is when you can realize, oh, I was going through that and I was in that funk. A lot of the time, yeah. like you said, it's, it's so hard to get out of it when you're in it. Once yeah. you do it, you you automatically realize, oh, I wasn't, that wasn't me. 
Yeah, we can, it's easy to look back and and see what a situation was, but when you're in it, you don't know. No. Yeah. Well, I'm. I thank you so much for being open and talking about that again. And I, yeah, I wanted course, to ask you about it because I think a lot of the time tragedy does beckon a lot of kindness. Yeah. And I always look for those rays of sunshine in dark times. For me, you know, I, I lost my brother growing up and the community really rallied around my family. And it just seems like with your family, this small Florida community really came together and supported you guys and had love for Pascal. And I know they created yeah. an initiative called Pascal's Way, which I hear yes. is kind of all about kindness. It Can is. you talk about yep. that a little bit? Yeah, it's Pascal's Way, be kind. And that's that's what it is. And he was known for his enormous kindness and acts of service. He was a really special kid um, on the spectrum and a Boy Scout. And really his whole life was about service. And um, it's kind of how he got out of himself he was a really shy kid because of his challenges and had difficulty connecting with people but then really gracefully crossed that bridge and became like this huge community um important community member that was always volunteering and worked at the spca and even that you know when he first got there he was scared of the dogs and then you know by the end he knew every dog and what they ate and when and what their needs were and <laughs> like ran the place. Um, so when he passed, it was um, the community just was like, kind of like, well, what would Pascal do? And everybody just got out and started picking up trash on the side of the road and in, in wow. the, on the beach because nobody knew what to do. And everyone was so beside themselves with grief and everybody knew him personally. And, um, and it was so clear how enormous his impact was in the community and how special mm -hmm. he was. But to see everyone go out in his name and, and just start to do these acts of kindness and it's continued. It, it's not going anywhere. It's like <laughs> wild. <laughs> and we had um, the year anniversary of his passing. We had a big memorial service because um, there was, you know, less restrictions and we could gather and I just thought like, oh man, who wants to go through this again? The grief mm -hmm. of this and who's going to show up for this year later? And everybody showed up and everybody shared stories and everybody mm -hmm. was there till the end. And uh, it was really beautiful. And and they just keep, keep on doing things in his name and remembering what an impact he had on the community. It's really beautiful. That's so moving. What a special person. I'm sure yeah. he was inspired by you too, because... You're all about acts of service is what I'm picking up from you with the arts, which I think is an act of service to the community at its yeah. finest. And kindness really is a ripple effect. So I'm not surprised it really that is. it's continuing yeah. and probably will grow even more in the future. Yeah. Well, my brother talks about it quite often and, and I love the way he puts it. He says, to know someone like Pascal ever in your life was so extraordinary to know anyone that was that bright mm. and that giving. But then the fact that he was our family member, that's so special. I just got the chills because we, my family has a similar outlook with my brother, Thomas, and we started a foundation in his honor after he passed away. And his slogan is inspire a smile because throughout his battle with cancer is what he ultimately passed away from. He just smiled throughout the whole time. And we were like, wow what a special person when all the adults are falling apart and just trying to do what they can to keep going. Yeah, You're sitting there smiling with your IV in and getting your treatments and all this stuff. So wow, wow, it, it is a, a great way to put that. 
on the mental health front, and then I promise I know we're, we're almost <laughs> out of time and we'll move on to something a little lighter to cap things off with. But do you have any other suggestions for people out there who know someone that's struggling? Listen and see people like really, it's like that thing of being on stage when a swinger covers on, right? It's like, if we're all working hard to make each other shine, it's going to be a great community. It's, it's the same out in the real world. like, Mm. see people listen to people and connect perfect listening really is <laughs> undervalued in our society yeah. as artists we're supposed to listen and, and react but overall we, we just worship and value platforms and people's voices and how many yeah. people you can have in your audience where at the end of right. the day people that are listening yeah. are the ones that are making a difference i think yeah well in this digital age that we are really just newly in you know it's <laughs> As far as like the grand scheme of history like mm -hmm. it's it's really tough on all of us because we compare ourselves to others but even more so we're becoming more insular and and focused on ourselves well everyone out there listening is just a wonderful place to start so mm. i think that was the perfect thing to say and now we're gonna lift things up a little bit yes. because i have a surprise game everyone's beautiful in their own way it's the compliment game on the a okay it's the compliment compliment, compliment game bump and basically Ooh. i reached out to someone in your life and i asked them to tell me something nice about you and you just have to guess who said it i'm blushing <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm scared. Uh, okay. Don't be scared. It's lovely. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to read you your quote. I had the honor of directing Zachary early in his career. Zach is one of the most talented people I know, and he's a great human, just as he is an incredible actor. Oh, is that Steven? Yeah, I figured this would probably be easy. <laughs> Steven Amato That's is so the one that connected us. Yeah. And so I was kind of hoping you would forget that, but... You also remembered, but also <laughs> it was early on. Yeah, we—I had just moved to New York. Like, I think it was my first thing in New York after moving there, um, mm. for sure. It was a Jack the Ripper musical. Yeah, a reading, but it was really like not a reading. It was like a full performance, as sometimes we do. Readings yeah. are, yeah, yeah. Suddenly you're like, well, let's add a costume piece. Well, let's add a, you know, and then you're <laughs> let's doing have a show. <laughs> you're like, oh, where's my mic stand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really cool. Yeah, and so is he. Thank you, Stephen. That was so nice oh, of you. So sweet. I appreciate you connecting us because it was awesome to talk yeah. with Zachary. And just to wrap things up here, I would love if you could leave us with sort of a tangible kindness tip that listeners can take with them and incorporate into their journey. Listening mm -hmm. is a great one, but if you have any just practical things that you think would help spread kindness around and make the world better. Yeah, this is one of my very favorite things, and it comes from a director named Phelan McDermott, who I did the Adam Stanley with on Broadway, and I, I do a lot of opera with him, and it's been a really just cherished relationship for many years now. Mm. Um, he said in rehearsal, we were talking about, you know, characters and emotions and um, what to feel, and he said, there's really only two emotions. There's love and fear. Hmm. And everybody paused and and started processing and, and the immediate like instinctive reaction is like, well, no, that's not true. What about embarrassment? Well, that's fear, right? So mm. you can boil everything down to love or fear. So if you're doing your best to remember that and choosing love all the time, it's a pretty cool thing. 
but it's, I a, it's a practice. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to put that on a bumper sticker. I'm going to paint that on my walls <laughs> because you're right. I, I was just thinking about it. I had this conversation with someone the other day because I always ask people what kindness means to them. And kindness is love. Yeah. Not that it's an emotion, but yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to think about that for a while. Sorry. Yep. I'm like zoning love, out now. Fear. Wow. Love, fear. And it's really, it's really nice on stage when you're like trying to get into a character and you're like, ah, I don't know. You're like, oh, well, is it a love or fear moment? You know, mm. but, but then in real life, it's like this tremendous thing. Yes. That is a life hack. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah. And thank you so much for talking with me today. Would you please just tease your show before we go? Everybody can come see you in Young Frankenstein. Yeah, I'm playing the monster in Young Frankenstein here at the Ogunquit Playhouse uh, in yeah. Maine. It's a lot of fun. And Sally Struthers is in it. It's mm. Frau Blucher. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it's been a blast. Oh, that's amazing. Well, yeah, keep through, putting on that Ritz. Halloween. I shall. I shall. Thank you so much again. It was lovely to get to meet you and talk with you. And oh, you just have me. such a beautiful heart and presence and you wear it on your sleeve. And we need wow. more people like you. So thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. All right. <laughs> I just accepted your compliment. <laughs> Look at that. This is a full circle moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now it's time for your kindness tip of the week. Thank you so much again for your time, Zachary. And speaking of Zachary, we have a schmackery winner coming up right after your kindness tip of the week. This week's kindness tip is inspired by one of my best friends in the whole world, Amanda. My people, hello. I recently met up with Amanda at an old tavern that we love in New York. I gotta say, they have amazing garlic bread and we're mostly there for the dessert, which is this candy pie. Mm. Amanda is truly one of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. From the moment I met her, it felt like I was interacting with a ray of sunshine, and I am so lucky to call her a friend. Of course, we met in the theater, and we continue to collaborate creatively to this day, so I feel very, very fortunate for that. Anyway, after one of our marathon hangouts, we had a lot to catch up on, Amanda and I were walking to our cars, and she stopped, and she asked me about the show I was recently in. And I noticed she was kind of counting on her hand. And she said something along the lines of, oh, that was what I wanted to ask you about the show you just did. I asked you about the podcast. I asked you about the wedding you're planning, all this stuff. And then I realized she had thought about topics and things to ask me about, which really boils down to consideration. So your kindness tip of the week is to ask people questions. And I don't mean to sit them down with a big spotlight on them and just grill them. I mean, to really think about the things that your friend or your loved one is doing in their life, the things that are meaningful to them before you see them, so that when you're hanging out, you can ask them about these things. And they're definitely things that these people want to talk about. I remember growing up, I would get into my nanny's car, my grandma, I love her so much. Ah, I always talk about her on this podcast. And I love my other grandma too, my Nona. Hey, She would pick me up and I would get into her car and there'd be a scrap of paper. At the top, it would say Robert, and it would be underlined. And then under that would be bullet points. And they would be topics of things she wanted to ask me about. And it just always made me feel so good. I remember giggling at it at first. But it really is the loveliest act of kindness you can do for someone. It's pure consideration. And so that's inspired me as well. Really think about it. The people in your life that you're closest to, doesn't it just feel so special when they ask you about things that are going on? So do that for people. 
you know, you can even stalk them down on Instagram or Facebook before you're hanging out just to remind yourself of what is going on in their life and then make sure you bring it up. It's also just awesome to listen to people and hear their stories. Anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Amanda. You are the best. And so is Joe, her new husband. I went to their wedding recently. I got to do a reading, which was such an honor. And I didn't even laugh, you guys. I'm known to kind of giggle at a church. It wasn't a church, though, so maybe that's why. But I digress. You are both the best. And I thank you so much for being in my life. Oh, oh, but I digress. You are the best. Did that rhyme? Am I Lin-Manuel Miranda? I also want to thank all the new listeners who came in from our Schmackeries giveaway. And you're probably tuning in right now just to hear the winner. You may have even fast forwarded this whole thing just so you could find it if you want or not. And hey, that's totally something I would do. But I also really hope you stick around because we have a lot of fun around here. Right? Don't we? Right? And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Drum roll, please. The winner of our very first No Tricks Only Treats giveaway of a $30 gift card to Schmackeries, the best cookie place ever, is at Lizzie Watek. Why tech? What tech? At Lizzie Watek. Anyway, we will message you and make sure you get your special prize. Congratulations and enjoy the cookies. Please share them. If you did not win this giveaway, never fear. We have lots more exciting giveaways coming up this October as a part of our No Tricks, Only Treats campaign. Make sure you're following us at Art of Kindness Pod on Instagram so you can be in the loop about all the treats coming your way. Our Instagram is also a suggestion box of sorts. You can message us any topics you would like to see covered, celebrity guests you would like us to chat with, and of course, to give us your kindness tips of the week. We really love connecting with you all and forming a kindness community. Oh, audio hug. Thank you all for listening. I wish you a wonderful day. And until next time, remember, everything's going to be A-OK. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.